With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Breaking news here on NFL Total Access. Movement in the Trey Lance saga after he did not win the QB2 job in San Francisco. The 49ers have now found a trade partner, staying in the NFC and heading down to Dallas. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Welcome back. It's that time of year. It's roster time here on About Them Cowboys. And oh yeah, we got to talk about that trade too. So welcome in. I'm Kent Producing, joined by two of the best of the best from The Athletic when it comes to covering all things Dallas Cowboys. We've got Father John Mishota and Saad Yusuf on the beat. And to lead us through this one, the host, Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT. Hello, Kent. Hello, gang. Um, One thing I want to say is, before we get started here, is like, I know John and Saad, you guys... You know, the podcast, you get to, you know, share your uh, opinions whenever you want. But, you know, I, I want to give you guys the the chance to editorialize a little bit, give a hot take, an opinion before we get to the why it happened and what it means. How did you feel the moment you found out the Cowboys traded for Trey Lance? John, go. Oh, I was really surprised. Um, there's no way that anybody that covers this team saw that coming. It just didn't make a, a ton of sense for where this team's at to trade a fourth round pick. And so I was surprised because of that. The other part of it is it just, when you talk to Jerry and he talks about how he never even talked to Mike or Dak about it, it just really speaks to this is just something that Jerry wanted to get done. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe, maybe he found his next Dak Prescott or next Tony Romo, but it was a surprise. I did not think that the Niners would do a trade with the Cowboys for him. I thought he would go to like an AFC team or um, I just didn't think it would be with the Cowboys. So that I was very, very surprised when that when I saw that news, and then to uh, get it confirmed, and then you know reach out to some people in the organization. Uh, it was interesting to find out that they had a second round grade on him, and that was interesting to me from the standpoint of like. So we talked to Jerry the next night or the next afternoon before the preseason game. And he likes he liked to bring up multiple occasions, the Jalen Hurts, how they like Jalen Hurts. Wouldn't say his name, said the Eagles quarterback. Well, yeah, you liked him, like in the third or fourth round. and But he went in the second. And it's the same thing with Trey Lance. Like, the Cowboys liked him as a second-round pick. He was the third overall pick in the draft. So they liked him, but they were probably more so in the back end of, they weren't in love with him. They were certainly not... Let's trade three ones and a three for him. You know, they weren't in love with him like that. So um, those were those are two things that I thought of. And then the other one was just the fact of, you know, this this is funny because I like when I tweet this and I get all these experts telling me about all the practice time he'll be able to get. So I, I've been covering this team. This uh, it's a National Football League team uh, for a while now. And uh, the coaches are always complaining about how little of time they get to work with a third quarterback. So, so please let me get some more tweets. Uh, love if you've played in high school, especially, please tell me more about how much work he's going to get um, being scout team quarterback occasionally. Cause you still have to get Cooper rush some reps because he's uh, Oh, I don't know. your backup quarterback. Like these practices have been pared down so much because the collective bargaining agreement, there's only so much time they have to work. And so you're going to give almost all of that work to your starter. You can make the argument that Cooper Rush doesn't get enough work. So I asked Mike McCarthy about that yesterday. Like, how are you going to get him work? And I tweeted out the answer. You you guys can go look at it. But it speaks volumes to it wasn't like he knew. Oh, no, no, no. There's going to be plenty of reps, whatever. His answer tells you that it's going to be difficult to get him a lot of meaningful work. And when I say that, I don't mean occasionally like, hey, we're about to play the Eagles. You're going to be Jalen Hurts in practice. No, I'm talking about him growing as a player, as a 23-year-old quarterback 
who they view as has a potential starter qualities. That's not to be a decoy Jalen Hurts twice a season. You know, it's to try and develop him to where you think he might have some value. So that was the other thing for me is how are you going to get him meaningful reps for a guy that, let's be honest, they gave up on because they can say whatever they want, but the Niners feel pretty confident that there's nothing starter left about him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into analysis about this more factually here in a second. But, KT, you asked for, you know, opinion on this. And my first thought was um, it, it was kind of what John hit on the latter part of, of what he said. It, for me, I, I didn't really think starter material for the Cowboys. I didn't think air pair to Dak Prescott. My first thing was just prepare him for the preseason. Hope he has, like, two good preseason games in 2024. And then you flip him. And, you know, like we're talking about right now, how they need offensive line depth. No one's giving you an offensive lineman for anything that you have on your roster right now that you're willing to give up. I mean, the, the offensive linemen are just very hard to come by. But if all of a sudden you get a quarterback who shows even a little bit of promise, and, and you know, I hit on this before, NFL GMs will bite at potential for a young quarterback anytime. Go look at Matt Flynn. Go look at Jimmy Garoppolo, who had a good preseason and two good games with the Patriots. And the 49ers gave up a second form and then gave him a $135 million contract. Like, if you can get him, if you can just bait one of 30 GMs to bite, uh, to, to, you know, take the bait on him, you can flip him for a decent player right now for decent draft picks down the future. And that was kind of my first thought, just because you got to make a decision on his fifth year option, probably either right in lockstep with Dak's extension or, you know, before, like right there. So uh, I didn't really see him as a huge part of the future in Dallas. My first initial thought was, yeah, he's not going to get a lot of practice time or reps and stuff, you know, for the next year. But if you can just get him ready for that 2024 preseason and then you can flip him, that to me, that's, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. It's interesting. It's funny watching feedback. It's always funny watching feedback for everyone. Um, but uh, I got one tweet, and I shouldn't mention one tweet. Uh, but it was like, oh, and now he's gonna, he can push Dak. And I was like, dude, he wasn't even pushing Sam Darnold. Like, uh, <laughs> there's some really bad reports about how he was practicing in San Francisco. Uh, but he might have been, you know, a bit of a you know an abused uh, uh, animal, if you will. You know, like there he is, gets a little bit of a chance, tears up his ankle, out for a long time. And then all of a sudden, third on the depth chart. And sometimes changes of scenery are good for people. Let's hold um, on to that right there. That to yes. me is the key factor in this. Is the change of th- scenery could could potentially be up if, if if this turns into where he becomes the player that many thought he'd be a top five pick. I think the change of scenery will be number one reason why. I will also argue there's a lot of young, talented quarterbacks that got a change of scenery and they didn't look any better with the next team. I will, one thing that I'll add on to that, and this is like kind of blew my mind a little bit when I actually looked like realized this. Dak Prescott in 2016 as a rookie um, in training camp had just turned 23 years old. Trey Lance right now is just turned 23 years old three months ago, and he has two years in the NFL under his belt. Same age, like when Dak was a rookie. Now I understand there's different circumstances. Trey hasn't played. Dak played SEC football. Trey has barely played football, and when he did, it was against FCC, FCS competition. I get all of that. I'm just saying purely when you talk about a young player from an age perspective, Trey Lance right now is the same age that Dak was in 2016 as a rookie, and that to me gives you a little bit of, hey, change of scenery, and if you can develop him and things like that, um, that is a little bit of context that you know I was a little – it did raise my eyebrows a little bit. Where, again, that makes a lot of sense – if you put him in a situation where he's going to get a lot of chance for that work, I just don't know that this is that scenario. You know, him leaving, now why would he go to, and do this? I, I'm i not saying he should have. Obviously, he was the third overall pick. But if he would have left North Dakota State and transferred to a big boy school and, you know, had like a 10-win season or something like that, went through that full season, you know, there's a lot of, to me, like, okay, I'm, I, I'm sure, you know, you can argue this, but... Do you think that Jalen Hurts went from being the Bama quarterback to the Eagles quarterback because he got some good work behind the scenes with the Eagles? Or do you think it's because he went to Oklahoma, got a fresh start, and was thrown right? That was his deal. You know, he got to go to work. Whereas with 
Trey Lance, there's just not those opportunities. I mean, this is a great opportunity if, if this was like baseball to send this guy down to the minors for a little bit and be like, hey, man, just get your feet underneath you. I'm just telling you, nowadays in the NFL, it's not the way it used to be. There just are not that many reps in practice during the season at all. Or this would have been interesting, too, if this happens out before training camp starts or it happens during like, you know, mini camp or OTAs and then he has all this time or whatever. But he's getting thrown into the part of the season where, let's be honest, this isn't some type of rebuild where coaches are looking like, hey, I, we're Washington. We don't really know if it's going to be Heineke or Howell or whatever. No, no, you know who your starter is. You know that your roster is loaded. It's built to win now. You don't have time to be worried about like, yeah, we got a big game coming up on Sunday. And we really need Dak to get all these reps, but we also got to develop Lance. In no world is that being said. And also on top of this roster being built to, built to win now and you know what you have, you also know you have a backup quarterback who will win you games. So this this is not even going to be one of those things where Trey Lance or Cooper Rush. No, Cooper Rush went four and one for you last year and five and one overall the last two years. It's not even a competition for backup quarterbacks. So that's where um, you know that's where it becomes even a little bit tougher. I the other thing that does it. I'm less worried by the the division two stuff. And more worried by just the amount of reps in general. I mean, Tom Brady last year threw more passes than, you know, Trey Lance threw all through college um, because he barely played. And then he had the big year. And then he had the COVID year where he didn't play. So you have like not a lot of, of reps, obviously injured in week two, the year he got hurt with the ankle. You know, when they were trying to hand the ball over to him, week two ankle and then you're kind of done like he is a baby and i think we he will probably be treated that way maybe and you know with how ro- uh, valuable roster spots are it is odd the cowboys do this thing sometimes if people are if, uh, having a conversation i feel like someone's on to me i'll make a comment that quote unquote muddies up the water uh, i like to do that sometimes let's just say that let's throw them off the scent if someone's like they've got it figured out I don't know if this was a very muddying up the water move by the Cowboys. It might have just come down to, hey, we got to give Jerry a win here. We had him scouted as a second-round player. We think we can get him for a fourth. It's just good business. It's just good value. I'm on board with that. Where I where I feel like it truly doesn't make sense, though, is if you don't find a way to use him. And I don't know that they're going to do that. I don't, A, trust that would happen. B, like you said, John, the time that they're acquiring him – doesn't exactly reek of, well, you know, hey, we're going to make some things creative and on the goal line. We may have Trey Lance and Dak in the game at the same time. You never know what we'll do. Maybe that's something that that develops over this year where he could be something like that. But I don't know. For a team that's really shied away from giving up draft capital, out, you know, obviously this year's a little bit of an outlier with Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks. And it, it was just very off off the wall. Very yeah. off the wall, I and I know. get I get taking the risk on it with giving up a fourth round pick. I get I get that because the return yeah. on investment, if if you develop him at all to where there's some value to him, you'll get more than a fourth round pick. You know, so I get taking that chance there. I'm more of the I lean more towards the school of this could bring you back some decent value in a potential trade possibly than I am of oh this is Dak's heir apparent. I, I don't feel like, obviously there's a possibility. He's on the roster. Of course there's a possibility. Injuries happen, things happen. I just, I wouldn't be betting my money on Trey Lance being the next quarterback after Dak Prescott. And and frankly, I think Dak Prescott's the Cowboys quarterback for another five, six seasons at least. So, Yeah. You know, one, one player that this, that he reminds me of, or his situation kind of reminds me of in, in some ways um, is Mark Sanchez. Remember, like, Mark Sanchez barely played at USC. Now, again, he's playing at USC, though. But Mark Sanchez had, I think, like, 15, 16 starts total in his college career and then came out. He was the fifth overall pick for the Jets. Um, again, one of those things where you just, you know, kind of are taking a chance on the potential. I don't remember what exactly Mark Sanchez's age was because I think Mark Sanchez was, you know, I'm pretty sure he was kind of, uh, stuck behind a lot of a lot of quarterbacks. That that was back during the Carson Palmer, Leonard, and all and all those days. So um, oh, yeah. it was probably so he was stuck around around a lot of guys. But um, but it did it did remind me a little bit of how he had very little experience in that. Oh, John David Booty too. Remember? 
I did also find it interesting as we're sitting there uh, waiting uh, after the game to go in the locker room and Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, and then Stephen's son, John Stephen Jones, walked over to the locker room from um, watching the game from obviously Jerry's suite. And it just, just kind of dawned on me. I was like, I think John Stephen Jones is pretty much the same age as Trey Lance. So they would have been playing football at the exact same time. So I just, <laughs> just how different that is, is just, uh, I don't know. You think he called him right before the trade? Yeah, I called him and was like, <laughs> let me see. Um, I do find it, I, I do find it entertaining people to think that like that was like, not to get too off topic, but on the overshown thing, uh, people think that that was like the, you know, you just don't understand how Jerry works in terms of the it's TV the cameras, cameras being on and being mic'd up like, and he loves it like a little story like that or whatever, you know, uh, look at the way he played up everything with the Deuce Vaughn and his dad. So to think that if you think that the Cowboys drafted DeMarvion Overshone because Paxton Anderson, Jerry's grandson, said, hey, this is a good player, then I then just believe what you want. I, I, I just I find that very hard to believe. What's a little interesting to me about the Lance deal is the fourth round pick that they gave back. If Saad's hunch is correct... They got to think they could at least get a fourth or higher for him with their development. Yeah, and I wonder if they think of that fourth round pick as just another fifth round pick because they're planning on being really good and picking towards the back of the round. Yeah. I mean, that could maybe be part of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you guys see Mike McCarthy utilizing him at all on offense in a running form? I, I don't want to be reductive of Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a quarterback. He's not just some gimmick he's not Taysom Hill he's not anything like that but I wonder if that's something that will be on Mike McCarthy's mind because I do know this I, I am a kind of a believer in if you got bullets in the chamber go ahead and use them fill with yeah. running back for sure it's like I, if that, as much as Dak doesn't run anymore you know do we know uh, that Trey Lance is a great runner and where he's at the stage he's at now coming off the injuries no. that he had do we know that he's you know, is he that he's on that level that you're just like, oh, well, we know that we'll put him in there. Yeah, heck, we'll do some of that Eagles package where we just stack everybody up at the line. Do we know that? We don't know that. That that's the thing. We don't know that. And and John and I were talking about this after the game when we were walking back to the press box. And this this is kind of my like fear my my you know theory if this uh, is something that can materialize is that at some point if Trey Lance can develop into a decent backup to, to a decent reserve, not necessarily overtaking Cooper rush on the backup uh, on the backup depth chart. I think you can go into a game with Dak as your starter, Trey Lance as your second string Cooper rush as your uh, um, at, like, you know, emergency third uh, in, in a, in a game. If Dak were to get hurt the next week, Cooper rush would be your starter. Trey Lance would be your backup, but with Trey Lance being active as the as the backup quarterback, all of a sudden, if Dak gets hurt in the middle of the game, Trey Lance can fill in for the rest of that game. Cooper Rush is still your second best quarterback on the roster, so then moving forward, he would become the the starting quarterback if Dak got hurt. But I could see a situation if Trey does enough to show. But again, th- this all comes back to he has no practice time, so I don't know how he's going to show all that. But if KT, you're talking about can they use him? I think that's the way that they could use him as you know him be him being the active backup cooper being the inactive third string and then if something were to happen cooper being the backup and trey being the second string then my my other thing i wanted to add on this too is like who are who are these guys that have that have been in trey lance's situation that have had success because when i start looking back over like the last decade like Josh Rosen. I'm no. thinking Jake Locker. I'm thinking Josh Rosen. I'm thinking Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, Bortles, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, those are the guys that are are in that type of category where like, hey, they didn't work. You can even throw Jameis Winston in there if you want. Yeah. The, the one year when EJ Manuel was the first quarterback to go, which was until like 13, but like still it was the number one quarterback in that class. Like, show me the guys that have gone to that next team and you're just like, man, we're missing out. To be honest with you, your best hope probably with any of those might be Sam Darnold. And if Sam Darnold is that guy, the guy that you thought he was, he's beating out Brock Purdy. Sorry. Yeah. And, and also on top of that, just one quick thing to add on that is um, I, I think you're right. Like the, the, the hit rate hasn't been there. And kind of the point that, that you made, John, right off the top, San Francisco traded inside their own conference 
um, to their rival who they've beaten the playoffs for the last two years. That You don't do that for a player that you feel has any chance at being successful in that situation. So um, if they really felt that Trey Lance had any chance, the way, I mean, they're saying all the right things, as they should, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But if Buffalo, I think I, I think Diana Rossini um, from The Athletic like reported, I think it was Buffalo and Baltimore that were in the running for like maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick, you would rather trade him to the AFC for one round later if you thought he had any chance at being the guy. So San Francisco is clearly out on him, and they don't believe that he'll that he'll amount to anything. I'm still going through this. I'm back to 2006 already. Still can't find one. Cool. Shout, shout out, shout out to Matt Liner. Oh wow! Keep going. Still got pulled up. Christian Paul. Oh yeah. Still out a few more names. I'm back to four. 2003 now. Hmm. I mean, Gino I'm going Smith. on guys. Gino Smith would be one, maybe. Yeah, the rare rebound. <laughs> where, where, yeah. where did he go? Where did he end up going? Second round. He was second round pick. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. Oh, he was second round. I, I'm oh, trying to go for guys yeah. that are like top ten type top picks, five, so or, or at the very least, the top quarterback in in their class. You know. Well, that's how the draft goes, man. Sometimes you can overvalue quarterbacks. I I don't think he got a fair shake in San Francisco. I mean, when you get oh, hurt, hey, and... David Carr. Sorry, go on. My bad. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, that jo- that might be the universal starting line for our audience jo- here. Same draft, Joey Harrington. Okay, go ahead. I'm done. Uh oh, Akili Smith's got to be on there somewhere. In this. Oh, we'll get there. Todd was like one year old when these quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep going back until I find someone. Well, Gino, you guys Smith. just keep talking. Geno Smith, like this will tell you just about that 2013 draft though. Geno Smith was the a second round pick, but he was the second quarterback taken. EJ Manuel was the only quarterback taken in the first round that entire year. That worked out. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever whatever the Cowboys were thinking, it's nothing short of fascinating. And I I mean, I know for me. That's that's another John took actually John demolished my point before I got it out. Two thousand Chad Pennington, only quarterback to go in the first round. Sorry, we know nothing about Trey Lance right now because we haven't seen him play. We saw him play that one year in college, and he went off. You didn't see him play. We did. I didn't either. (laughs) I actually did. I took notes. I have my draft notes on. Oh damn, KT, you're right, Uh, man. This Tim Couch Achilles Smith draft is rough. (laughs) Yeah, how'd that go? Courtney Brown in that one. Uh, no, but Dante Culpepper and Cade McNown were. Okay, hey. Culpepper. Culpepper was good. Uh, yeah, Cade rough. McNown and John I mean, McNown Don, Donovan McNabb was in it too. What a rough break for Trey Lance in terms of like playing and then week set, uh, week two and he gets basically the DAC injury. Had to have another surgery on it. I mean, yeah. that, is, that is wild. I'm I, cutting it off at 98, Ryan Leaf. We're done. Sorry. I'm yes. seriously done. I got to put this, get this what away What did you from think me. about Sorry. them not telling McCarthy that they were going to do this? Yeah, tell us about that, John, because that's confusing. That, that's Jerry flexing his muscles that, hey, at the end of the day, I'll, what I say goes. You know, it's the one that everybody always likes to bring up, the whole, you know, T.O. when Bill Parcells wanted no part of it. I don't think there's a player in the league that Mike McCarthy would be is against as Bill Parcells probably was the T.O. You know, I, I don't know for certain, but I don't know that there's, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. So it's certainly, I'm not making that comparison because I'm sure Mike McCarthy is fine with Aaron Rodgers. The idea of, um, eh, well, I think Parcells have been just fine with T.O. if they would have won a Super Bowl. Um, I, I think that, I don't know, I just... Jerry likes to still show that he's in charge. That's why you don't put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor when everybody knows it's the obvious move. Doing something like this is a big splash thing that Jerry can say that, you know, if it works out, that that was his thing. Uh, Where it makes it tough, I feel like, on Mike is that he's focused at this point of the season on cutting down the roster, and everybody's talked about how this was going to be the toughest 53 cut down, and now you just made it more difficult because you're bringing on this quarterback who, let's be honest— might never even play a meaningful snap in Mike McCarthy's time as head coach of the Cowboys. How much does he really could that concerned about that in the moment? He knows he has to win now. So it's not like he's, you know, been given this contract where he's Jerry's Tom Landry. Like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I mean, we want you to win right now, but if not, we got Lance for you. You can develop him. Like, 
he might never coach Trey Lance, you know, in terms of in a meaningful sure. game. So I don't know that he really cares too much about that. And then here's the other factor. I don't know that I don't know that Dak and Mike McCarthy necessarily either of them believe that as of right now, Trey Lance is even better than Will Greer. And Mike and Dak both really like Will. And so now you got to throw that in there, too, that that was probably going to be your number three quarterback. And now he's gone. And now you're you're bringing in this other thing that, let's be honest, nobody's ever going up to Will Greer in the locker room if Dak has a bad game. If Dak is on is not playing well, you think everyone's staying away from Trey Lance and nobody, nobody in the Cowboys locker room, nobody's going up to Trey Lance and, and, and trying to interview him or try and talk to him. And that was always the biggest story with the whole like, well, do you really want to give Tim Tebow a chance? Because if he's your backup, he's still going to be a guy that he's such a polarizing figure and that people are still going to be going up to him all the time. And he's your backup or third string or he's your fullback, whatever. And teams don't want distractions like that, you know? It's a circus. And two other things on on that. Um, one, with uh, with with Dak and uh, and McCarthy, both of them in the postgame comments kind of deflected. Any, uh, they tried to deflect as much Trey Lance to, like John said, Will Greer. And I don't know, like Dak said all the right things. He didn't seem super enthusiastic in general but I think again that a lot of that was probably just Will Greer knowing that you know his his, his good friend Will Greer is not going to be on the, on the roster or on the team anymore I think there is that um so again there there was that factor the other thing with uh Jerry not talking telling McCarthy what the, the part about that that I found interesting was Jerry kind of went out of his way to make sure that we knew that McCarthy was not consulted like he gave the answer, <laughs> and then at the end, he like chipped in and said, "Not even Mike" or something like that. So he made it a point that we kind of knew that you know Mike McCarthy was not consulted. And then yesterday on the conference call with McCarthy, I think you know he, I think the first or second question McCarthy was asked about it, and he was like, you know, again, it puts McCarthy in that situation where he's in a no-win situation. He has to just say the right thing, and he's just like, "Well, I don't know what you're talking about." He knew exactly what the question was asking, but. You know, he he has to kind of just say, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just over here doing my thing. And, you know, that, that's kind of what comes with being the head coach of the Cowboys. And that's where, you know, we've talked about this in many years past. You've got to give Jason Garrett a lot of credit for that. He knew how to play the game and, and do all the, ant, like, extra things that came with being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback because he just knew Jerry so well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last thing, and then we'll put this to bed. Well, two things, and then we'll put this to bed and move on to rosters. Don't want to do that. So no chance at all, and I understand I wouldn't give up a fourth for this, but no chance at all. This wasn't uh, – our part of the thinking was like he could mimic Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, Sam Howell. He could give us a better look against some of those running quarterbacks that we're going to face than no Cooper way. Rush could. No way. No Would you way. give a fourth-round pick for that? No way. This uh, defense is too good. To be honest with you, I compare it to Jalen Hurts when they when the Eagles drafted Hurts because I remember when that happened, there was talk of, 
oh, well, did they do that because this is the pandemic year and you might not have a quarterback active? Because let's not act like they knew Jalen Hurts was going to be what Jalen Hurts is. But you don't draft him in the second round for things like that. You draft him because if you're using a first or second round pick on a guy like that, uh, you think that he has a chance to be your starter. And when you use a fourth round pick on a guy like Trey Lance, you're thinking that at the very least, he's Dak's backup next year. You know, like you're going to give him every yeah. chance next year in OTAs, mini camp, training camp to beat out Cooper Rush to be Dak's backup. And if that works out, then you at least have there's similarities between the way Dak plays and Trey Lance plays. So it could be smoother, you know, in terms of the transition if Dak was to get hurt and go down, or whatever, that you have a backup that, you know, kind of does some of the same things as him. But I, I do not see them doing this deal for a fourth round pick just so that he can be in practice simulating what other quarterbacks in the NFL are doing. Yeah, no, same, same. I don't, I don't see Will that Greer, either. Will Greer could have done all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see that either, but I do think that one thing I do want to say for all the conversation we're having about this, I'm still, I'm still pro the trade. I think the trade was a good trade for a fourth round pick. I think, I think it's worth the gamble. So, so that's one thing, but I think, um, but I think when you talk about the what it looks like down the road in the future, it, it's interesting to me because we're in in Dallas for since two thousand and six or I guess seven really. This has really always been an offensive identity team, and I think the identity has gone through a a major overhaul. Safeties are prioritized. The defense is what's leading the way. So to me, it's really interesting what the quarterback position in general is going to feature in terms of even Dak. I'm saying like, even if Dak is here for the next six, five, six years, whatever, I'm just saying in general, it's always going to be interesting to me to see how they use the quarterback position and things like that. Because, you know, San Francisco, kind of the same thing. I I think San Francisco almost unintentionally revolutionized in some ways, the quarterback position, because they've been going to the NFC title game every year without a quarterback. And, or without like a bona fide franchise quarterback, and so um, they they don't certainly haven't intended it for it to be that way. But I'm just saying, like it's interesting what the quarterback position in Dallas in general is going to look like. Well, to that point, you know, look at how they won with Cooper Rush. It's not because he's put up these big numbers with his arm. I mean, he's won five games. He's won five of his six starts, and those five wins, for the most part, the best thing he did was take care of the ball. And in the one loss, he threw three interceptions. So. There is part of like the Cooper Rush thing where I'm not sitting here saying that on any given day out in Oxnard, especially last year, that Will Greer didn't look better. That's great. That's Oxnard. But when the bolts are flying on a Sunday, on heck, a Sunday night uh, in a big game, Cooper Rush has shown you that you can trust him, especially with a team that has a very talented defense. And uh, yeah, he doesn't have the upside that a Trey Lance does, and he doesn't have the upside, obviously, that Dak Prescott does, but... There is something to be said for the way this team plays defense that, um, you know, you can win some games with a guy like that. So it's it's going to be difficult to just sit there and go, oh, well, they, they'll just get rid of Rush uh, this next offseason and then Trey Lance will be the backup. Yeah, I'm sure they would love for that to happen because it makes everything, you know, pretty seamless. But, you know, who's to say that Dak doesn't miss a couple games this year and Rush comes in and looks like the same player he's been when he's asked to start the last couple of years? If he does that... I don't care what he does in minicamp or at OTAs or training camp. Just like I didn't care what Will Greer did this year and any of that stuff. I've seen Cooper Rush come into games and win meaningful games. He's He contributed quite a bit to them winning 12 games last year. He won a big game in Minnesota the year before that. Like, that stuff holds way more weight to me than any, like, man, did you see him? He threaded that ball right between Sheldrick Redwine and Giangelo Mandel. Whoa. This might be the guy. Like, no, I'm gonna. There's just too much riding on this team. This is not a rebuild. It's also funny though, like all the haggling with Zach Martin, four or five million dollars there. Well, you're taking on more money with Trey. <laughs> like, it's short term, but it's, I thought that was a little interesting too. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I think we've covered that uh, as much as it needs to be covered. Um, let's uh, talk about roster cuts. Obviously, cut day. We were recording this. Uh, in the 1 p.m. hour back in uh, Dallas, uh, Tuesday, August 29th. So cut day is officially at 3. 
Are you sensing any surprises or did you kind of have it knocked out? Uh, you know, your article in The Athletic, John, you feel like you had a pretty good read on what they might do. Is there anything that you think might catch us off guard? Uh, the only one that's happened as of right now, we're about, as we record this, as I'm saying this right now, about 90 minutes before that 3 p.m. deadline. The only one I've seen so far, and it would be a somewhat surprise, would just be Jabril Cox. And the, and the only reason why is because they're so thin at linebacker. And it's been pretty clear that Jabril Cox hasn't looked like the same player since the knee injury. And I get moving on from him if you think, hey, you know, we just tried and we just don't think that he's going to be the guy we thought he was, which would be kind of what DeMar Vian Overshone was showing, where he could be like your third linebacker, possibly future starter. I don't think that they see that now. Um, I just find it as a somewhat of a surprise just because they're so thin at linebacker with Overshone being out for the year. So you have Leighton Vanderesh that you can count on. You have Damone Clark that you can count on. And, uh, yep. So, I mean, I mean, I, I thought I was going pretty thin when I, when I had them keeping four with Cox and Devin Harper. Now I'm thinking they might only keep three and with that being Vander Esch, uh, Damone Clark and, and Devin Harper. And that's pretty thin, even for a team that, you know, Dan Quinn's big on using his safeties that in, in a way where they play like linebackers. Yeah, that that's great. And you need a lot of those and they're, they're going to go deep on safety. We're, we're, we're not going to be surprised by that. But you also need some linebackers that, you know, that you can count on in NFL games to like, I don't know, step up and stop the run occasionally. You know, teams do that from time to time. Like they're so thin at linebacker that it makes me feel like they're going to have to make a move for somebody just for depth purposes. Yeah, I think Marquise Bell is one who is going to be playing more of that, specifically is going to be playing more of that linebacker safety hybrid role because he kind of got changed into that as soon as Overshone got hurt. So, or started getting more reps at that um, in Frisco as soon as Overshone got hurt. So I think that, that, you know, kind of hybrid role is, is fine. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's interesting that Jabril Cox is going to be initially on the outside looking in, but um, you know, I, his promise was so much coming out of LSU with all the athletic attributes and all that stuff. I would be surprised if the Cowboys have just completely given up on him at this point. Yeah, you know, uh, the other thing, what's John saying? Like Leighton Vanderesh's injury history definitely puts you at a in a place where you're thinking about that position. I, I was, hey, honestly, real of, real quick, KT, just yeah. not even a late like Leighton. Obviously, is one that you know fans are used to. In that name me a like a good long time starting linebacker in the NFL. Like everyone would jump to the name Bobby Wagner. He's such a ridiculous outlier. There are so many good linebackers that either didn't reach their peak because of injury or retired early because of injury, whether, you know, I'm talking about like Patrick Willis and Luke Keekley and guys like that. Like it is a tough position to play for a long period of time. And so, you know, injuries are coming at that position. No, absolutely. And that's why they've been valued, uh, devalued. They're the running back of defense. Maybe not fully there yet, but you've seen that a lot, man. And I don't know specific types of players. That's what teams look for. Those types of things, you know, if uh, a, a linebacker who's more, you know, used for coverage and could play on third downs and things like that. I I do think it's kind of fascinating. Um, quarterback, you're going to carry three, clearly. Running back, or look at Malik Davis is probably the odd man out here, right? Yeah, Malik Davis I, is is one of is one of the cuts. I don't so think you can... I'm thinking they'll only go with three running backs with Pollard, Dowdle, and Deuce Vaughn. And I think you can add a fourth if you need to off of another team or would not surprise me if Malik Davis made it back to the practice squad. Um, with the Jabril Cox thing real quick, though, mm-hmm. man, look at that 11-man 2021 draft class right now. I mean, of course, you yeah. have Micah Parsons. So it's like even if you miss on all your other picks, <laughs> you're still like, yeah, we got Micah Parsons. But like second round, Kelvin Joseph. Osa Digizu in the third looks to be a solid player. Looks like he'll probably be here for a while. Third round, Chauncey Golston. Third round, Nashon Wright. Fourth round, Jabril Cox. Fourth round, Josh Ball. Fifth round, Semi Fahoko. Sixth round, Quentin Bohanna, who's one of the cuts today. Sixth round, Israel Mukwamu, who that's, that's looking like a pretty good pick. And seventh round, Matt Farniak. So, yeah. Thank goodness they got Parsons. Stop yeah. Josh Ball. Josh Josh Ball for a minute. Is he how how hurt is he from the other day? Sounds like he's gonna be out at least a month, probably longer. So he could be a I think to to keep him active for this season, even to return, 
I think you still have to have him on the initial 53 even to push him to pop. I think the only person that can make it on pop to start the season would be Jordan Lewis just because he's on pop right now. You can't just throw a guy on pop like right before yeah. the day before. You have to have him on that 53. And so, yeah, so there, so there's that. Um, let me also let me also be clear with something here because I do think the Cowboys are one of the, the better drafting teams in the NFL. So one of the things that's lost in the Trey Lance trade is Look at how San Francisco, who I think San Francisco, Philadelphia, and, and, and uh, Dallas are the top three teams in the NFC. Look at how they've both swung and missed. The Eagles paying Wentz, the 49ers, you know, tr- get trading all those picks to get Trey Lance. Obviously, a huge swing and miss. And honestly, it reminds me of this. I was telling Saad this the other, the other night. 2017 draft, their first two picks, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster, both top yeah. 30 picks, okay? Top 31 picks. Fifth round, George Kittle. Okay. Gosh. Well, there you go. Good draft. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. You know, I mean, like, it's Even just it up, crazy right? how it just shows you that don't buy into that hype that anybody ever says about the whole, man, if you swing and miss on this quarterback, whether it be giving up picks, whether it be trading, paying a guy a lot, that you can't dig out of that hole. If you're a well-run organization, it's going to suck, but you can dig out of that hole and you can dig out of that hole pretty quick. Yeah, and the Cowboys never tried to swing big with the first-round quarterback or anything like that. But, I mean, just look at their two guys after Aikman. It's undrafted and fourth-round picks. So you can find those. I, I, now, it's not a formula. Like, you know, that like that's the funny thing that, you know, personally I'm going to be watching with uh, San Francisco because anytime a sixth, seventh-round pick starts doing what Brock Purdy did, it's like, oh, here comes Tom Brady. Tom Brady's back, reincarnated. And, you know, it happens a lot, and then he's not Tom Brady. So um, I'll be interested to see how that happens. But, yeah, absolutely. It's not, you know, it doesn't just, uh, you don't just strike out with first-round picks, and and that's it, and, you know, it's all over after that. Let's go to wide receiver. Just five, you think, right there, and Terpin probably being the fifth? Yeah, I just don't see how they can – one go too much deeper than that just because of what they'll have to do on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield and then also just because of the fact that let's not act like anybody really jumped on that sixth spot you know like it, sure. it, to me there is your top four well your top three and then your next tier is Jalen Tolbert so that's your second tier is, is your number four and then after that then you have Cavante Turpin who he solidifies himself because of the fact that he's out he's his returnability obviously then after that, there's there's that next tier, and that is Jalen Brooks and Simi Fajoko, and then there's a drop down after that. So, if you think Brooks could, should make it, I can I can listen to that argument because obviously they drafted him, even though it was in the seventh round. But I just don't know that I've seen enough that I'm not willing to be like, hey, we'll let this guy go to waivers. I think there's a decent chance you get at least Brooks or Fajoko, if not both, back. And if not. There's going to be wide receivers out there to fill in your sixth spot. And then here, we'll even go that, let's say you don't find someone that hits in that sixth spot. Again, there's so much riding on this season that if you got to the point where you needed your sixth receiver, they would go out and make a move like they did for T.Y. Hilton last year. You know, I mean, because it's not even a sixth one. We'll say if like Jalen Tolbert or Kevante Turpin don't give you anything, they'll go out and make a move for, for, for a wide. It's not going to be difficult to find a fifth or sixth wide receiver. Yeah, and Jalen Brooks, you know, I said this when he was first week in Oxnard. It's always the Lance Lenore syndrome. You have to, you have to, you have to just watch of like, you know, which guy is going to end up. And, and I think, you know, I'm not out on Jalen Brooks, but I just don't think you have to have him. I wouldn't put him roster. in that same category though, because they actually spent a draft pick on him that year. Uh, when I think of Lance Lenore, it goes more down to the Croppers and and those guys, the Barbones and uh, Dennis Houston's and stuff like that. I, Brooks, you get Dennis the benefit Houston of doubt. Was that guy too. Right. No, no, he was, but I'm saying year. you don't put Brooks on that level because they actually used a draft pick on him. That's the only reason why yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not, but I, yeah, but I'm not really talking about how they acquired the guy. I'm just talking about being a training camp standout and not necessarily translating to preseason action immediately the way that um, the way that it would. That like the way that you acquire them. Yeah, that's a whole. That, that's a different uh, a different way. Um, one real quick thing that I will also say on running back though. Hunter Hunter Lipke had a had a good final game, and, and it's interesting to me between him and Malik Davis only because we've seen McCarthy and Green Bay use that fullback um, kind of player. And if you are bringing one of them back, I don't think it's I, I maybe I still do lean Malik Davis, but I think that what Hunter Lipke showed not just in the last preseason game but throughout training camp, um, I think he has a good shot, at, you know, as well to come back as your fullback running back hybrid. Um, 
over Malik Davis if you're only bringing one of them back. There was a lot of there was a lot of worry out there when I did my 53 man and I didn't have a backup center on the roster. So um, <laughs> shout out to Todd Archer who got this scoop. They're releasing Brock Hoffman, Matt Farniak, and Lindstrom. So it appears that they will not have a backup roster center. And they don't, I don't have know Zeke how either. they will cope. So yeah, they don't have Zeke either. You can find backup centers. It's gonna be okay. Also, by the way, we're in a major playoff game. Uh, or if the Cowboys are in a major, like in a, in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, your backup center is Zach Martin. I don't care what anybody says. Sure. If it's if it's win or go home, you're gonna yeah. go Lindstrom. It's your time. Get your help. No, in no in what world? Yeah. Sorry if you're uncomfortable, Zach. It's time to move. Yeah. You know, there's. <laughs> I mean, well, shouldn't that stand at tackle too, though? Like, what do you mean? If it was same type of thing, you're missing. Are you talking about big... Zach? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I think in a in, in like a in a situation like in that game in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he would do it, but I don't think he wants it to be like move there where he's got to do it for like ten games or something like that. But yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Especially, well, it all depends on where your depth is. See, this offensive line has no depth, so we don't know who that next person would be. Up. Yeah. But let's just say like your sixth offensive lineman is. Like, you know where it's like Jalen Tolbert's clearly their fourth receiver. He's the first next guy up, okay? If they had an offensive lineman like that, let's say it's, we're going to call him Ron Leary. If you had a guy like that, then that that affects how you would do that that move, moving of the musical chairs. You know what I'm saying? But because they don't even have that guy, it's pretty tough to say how that would go right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Let's just keep it moving down position by position. Tight ends, three makes the most sense if you you know right. It's, yeah, uh, McCune, McCune is one of the is one of the cuts. So okay. it'll it'll be three. It'll be Peyton Hendershot and uh, Luke Schoonmaker and obviously Jake Ferguson. I think uh, I think they got a good chance to get McCune back. Yeah, offensive line too. Well, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, shuffling. Uh, Sam Richards has looked okay. Uh, Chuma Doga has obviously been hurt. I don't know what to say about TJ Bass. Uh, I like TJ Bass. I think he's on. Um, when I look at Awesome Richards, Awesome Richards to me is very similar to Viliame Fahoko, the defensive end they drafted. As long as they didn't do anything tremendously stupid, just because where they were drafted, they're not cutting those guys. <laughs> not after they just drafted them. They're middle of the draft. They're not. They're. they're I've never seen it. They're not going to move on unless it's. You know some c- catastrophic like whoa we totally swung and miss here so even though nothing about Fahoko really stood out I would be stunned if they moved on from him and then uh same thing with Austin Richards I, th- I thought there was some some bright spots with Richards but if you told me you can only ke- keep six offensive linemen on this team Richards would be my six just because of the investment of, of where, what they gave mm-hmm. to him but I'm telling you TJ Bassett would probably be pretty high in there too like I had him on my 53 I'll actually be a little surprised if he's not on their 53. Uh, defensive line looks like Neville Gallimore should sneak through. Hold on, we got a trade. Oh, we got a trade. All right. Adam Schefter is reporting that the Dolphins are sending a 2020 first round pick or 2020 first round pick. Noah, mm, hate that last name. I G B I N O G H E N E to the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for Kelvin Joseph. All right. So switch the uh, corner. How do you say that last name? Boy, I need to go find my draft notes now. It's a traditional I... spelling. Igbinogini? Igbino... No, no. I mean, I... that's 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 sounding out. I like that. <laughs> uh, let, let me find my draft notes because I did the whole thing, you know, the scouting report and all that. Noah. Hold on. Igbahine? No. <laughs> I it's, like uh... it. <laughs> what year was he? Was he 2020? 2020. So Kelvin Joseph experiment gone. I mean, telling that yeah, twenty twenty that twenty twenty one draft is looking real thin. Yeah, it really is. Another big one there. Not a big one, but uh, got Micah. Did Did you think Kelvin was going to make the team? Even I did. Trade him? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought because of special teams, and I thought because again he was a second round pick, I was like, they're not going to move on from him. As much as we have not seen anything on the field that would make you say that we're going to stick with him. I just feel like because he was a second round pick, they were gonna give him like one more shot this year. But yeah, Igbenogany. 
Okay. Igbud Igbudnogany. Yeah. We're gonna work yeah. on that. We're gonna get back to you. And he's he's basically one of those guys that you know I, I, he's picked at the thirtieth overall pick, so he's kind of like that first round pick, but really a second round talent, kind of similar to Kelvin Joseph. So, um, you know, without without you know being involved in any kind of drive bys or anything. So five eleven one ninety nine went to Auburn. Um, I wrote that my biggest issue was him is, uh, you know, didn't really play the ball very well. Not a great ball tracker. Um, but I think athletically, I think he was good. I think you're at a four, four, five, not that tall type corner that, you know, Dan Quinn loves. I mean, you know, five elevens, you know, up there a little bit question on, on would they, would they, so you can put Jordan Lewis on the pup. But I'm just like looking at his contract. It's not a lot of dead money. How much do they like Jordan Lewis still? I mean, this is his last year, no matter what. Um, they, they I, I know Dan Quinn him. likes him a lot, so okay. I know that'll factor in because he's one of those guys that you can use him in a variety of ways. And Dan Quinn loves yeah. that. He loves that versatility. And I mean, there was one year when I don't know. I don't know if at any point in the season he was leading the team in sacks, but he was among the team's leaders in sacks just because they would bring Jordan Lewis on blitzes. So. I don't know. He's always uh, around the ball too. He just yeah. he, like it's ever since he's been here, he's kind of been a ball magnet. And so, you know, I, I think that he definitely has value. And I think, I think you have a good top four. If it's Gilmore, Diggs, Bland and, and Lewis, like I feel good about that top four. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I just tweeted out that a uh, screen grab of that 2021 draft class. I believe that's the same draft class that Trey Lance was in. And there's a story on The Athletic right now about that Lance pick and how maybe it was the be- this wasn't a good time to make that gamble because you were coming off that pandemic year where you didn't have the traditional combine. You know, there were a lot of lot more guessing going on because you didn't ha- you know, a lot of the stuff was done virtually going into that draft. So that could have been a factor. I mean, remember, Micah Parsons, obviously the, the, the crown of jewel of that draft class. Uh, you know, he didn't even play the year before at Penn State because of that COVID year. He just worked out. So it shows you like how much probably guessing was going on and projecting just because you didn't have the typical uh, time around the players that you usually would, you know? Yeah, Zach Wilson, that draft I'm, too. I'm, yeah, I apologize go. for using a, an ESPN reporter here, but it's just the first thing I saw. Marcel Louis Jock uh, was. Um, says uh fresh start for Igbenogany. Um he's probably had his best training camp so far. The athleticism is there, the instincts have lagged. It's kind of what I wrote in my scouting report a little bit. The instincts didn't always look like he was ready to go, not playing the ball very well and things like that, but he was able to kind of stick with wide receivers and you know and mirror them on the boundaries and things like that. But that's where I get to like Okay, maybe maybe if you, the Kelvin Joseph the Kelvin Joseph thing did feel like it had kind of played out, but the Cowboys would be taking on a little more money than um, than what they would be paying for Kelvin Joseph by a little bit, not much. Does make you wonder if maybe Miami's maybe moving money around trying to get something right, perhaps for a Jonathan Taylor trade. Um, there's there's something of interest there. Never know what you'll find. A little live breaking news there. Good, good job, John. I How live on this. I live on this little John? app, and I can't even call it a bird app anymore. It's the X app, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you I don't see t- it going anywhere? It kind of sucks. Were you a tweet deck guy? I was never a tweet deck guy, you know. And I, I was, and I've been, were you? I felt naked without it. I feel, and I want to buy the. I, I want to buy the thing, but I don't want to get criticized for having the check mark because I like tweet deck. But now you yeah. got to buy it. Okay, so I bought the check mark um, for a couple of reasons, one of which being that I love being able to do the tweet longer, like especially the other night in the locker room when Dak talked and I was able to, instead of tweeting out two or three things, I'm like, I'm just going to put the best like stuff that Dak had to say all in this one tweet, so it's all just right there. So that part was nice, but also I wanted to give you a heads up on this. Um, you can buy it, and then I saw that there's an option to where you can take the check off so people don't know that you paid. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. I'm more worried about... Yeah. I, just want to get, I don't want people to make fun of me. Um, 
but also TweetDeck, I loved it and got used to it. It is century overload at times, but when stuff's happening in the minute, I loved it. I've just kind of felt, I felt like I've, I haven't had a blanket. Uh, it was my, it was, but I also I don't know if uh, if he'll if he'll ruin TweetDeck too. Um, okay, we were talking about uh, you know defensive linemen. We got through a lot of those guys. You mentioned Bohanna, uh, Galmore probably going to squeeze through. Obviously, they got Hankins. There's only a lot of names there. We all know these names. Um, so linebacker, we talked about a little bit early earlier. Um, Wanya Thomas is he? He's gonna he's gonna make it, right? Yeah, I think so. He's I think he's gonna make it, and um, you know he he had a he had a good training camp throughout, and then also had the interception against the Jaguars ones. So I think he put on he put on some good tape, but um, yeah, he sh- he should make it. And honestly, he's he gives them good depth at safety throughout. So I I, I don't have any problem with that either. It's been funny seeing a lot of kickers moving around too, though the last couple of days. Yeah, um, Aubrey's done nothing to to lose the job. It would seem so. No, I mean, I mean even where we're even at. Going, yeah, even going back to that game. I mean, he made the fifty-nine yarder, but to me, even the misses speak volumes. Like you just shank it, and it goes all the way to you know Pluto, or you know how do you miss it? And he didn't. He didn't really miss that fifty-nine yarder. He had leg. It just went a little wide left it's a 59 yard field goal. You kind of grade on a scale when you're, when you're looking at that. So, um, you know, my whole gripe with them wasn't really Aubrey being their kicker. It was more give him a chance to lose it at least. Um, and he didn't lose it. And so, you know, good for him. And, you know, we might criticize it if things go a certain way, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you had the Cleveland Browns, I think talking or I think Cade York, Cleveland Browns, right? Yep. Um, yeah, and like, I mean, less than a year ago, they're you know raving on Twitter about this is why you draft a kicker, and he's no longer on their team anymore. So yeah, you just never know how these things are all going to work out. Well, um, is there anything else that you guys want to get to? I'm kind of still tracking a little bit on the uh, Igba Nogany trade. This will be <laughs> Sound the famous. It out, man. The famous Kelvin Joseph um, podcast. Yeah, I'm just looking at the roster trying to come up with any surprises at where we're at so far. And it's such a deep team, you know, yeah. John. It's like it's like nothing was going to be terribly surprising, which is good. Yeah, like I said, the Cox, Jabril, the Jabril Cox one is definitely the, the most surprising for me so far. Um, I, I, I obviously didn't expect them to get anything for Kelvin Joseph in a trade. I thought if they were going to move on from him, they would just release him. So... It sounds like it's a uh, player that didn't work out with one team uh, as a second-round sure. pick with a player that didn't work out with another team. Both teams thinking, hey, maybe change of scenery might help this guy, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, and honestly, well, the two talented were, guys. You don't want to give up on them because they're so talented. Yeah. And if you were looking for just a cornerback who's a good special teams guy, you already have that guy in C.J. Goodwin. Like, if you, can, if, you can, if you really wanted to roll that way, so why not try to get something out of Kelvin Joseph? We've seen this, like, you know, uh, Traverius Ward. You know, like, uh, we, we've seen these guys, like, find it a little bit later in their career. And you know, I, think it's, I think it's possible, a new scheme, whatever it may be. I think those things are kind of important. So, hey, this could be cool. I mean, it's a why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess my thing with Kelvin Joseph, Joseph is that whether we're talking about, like, training camp or OTAs or during games, like, there was never anything that really stood out to me about him that made me go, oh, I can see why people thought that there was like a first round upside here. Because remember, that was the thing on him. It was like, oh, you know, he's got an upside where, you know, he could be a potential like first round type talent. But there was some concerns off the field. And I can't think of a time where he did very much that made me think, oh, yeah, that's 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 the part where because to be honest, if if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I'll give you a great example. And it's Sam Williams. You know, there's concerns off the field, but there are things that Sam Williams does on the field that we've all seen where you go, yep, that's really rare. I can see why they were willing to take a gamble on this player in the second round uh, despite some off-the-field concerns. I never really saw that with Kelvin Joseph. Yeah. No, I I would agree. Um, You can go back and watch some of that good tape from college, running with Devontae Smith down the field and all that. It's like... 
it's never consistent and I don't know and now we will get to meet Noah so that's good um cut still not official as we wrap this up so if you you know if you hear anything and then you're like oh that's all what happened just know that we recorded it like two hours before the cuts hit let's say we meet again next week guys we will um maybe make some picks maybe have a little fun with things like that as we normally do maybe find out our full divisional winners rookie of the year mvp all that good stuff like we typically do and maybe get you ready for week one because that's where we will be this time next week, kind of getting ready to kick this bad boy off. Uh, anything else you guys want to get to before we get out of here? I think we got yep. it all. All right, everyone. Well, if you uh, make sure you're uh, locked in to Saad and John's uh, coverage on The Athletic. And check out everything on The Athletic. The Athletic's awesome. I don't know. Like, I don't think I need to sell it to you. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Father John Bashota. And Saad Yusuf, I am Kevin Turner. We'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. Austin Powers, 